This is EdTech Weekly. I am your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 66, and we are live. Christy, are you feeling a little bit nervous about being live for the first time? Well, I feel like I should have crimped a little bit more for live. No, I think it's good. You're competing with this face, so you're going to be just fine. It's going to it's going to work out great. Well, again, this is a live show, so we had a little snafu earlier, and I sent it out to my main page on Facebook. So, you know, if you're joining us now, we appreciate you being here. And we're just going to try to do the live stream main. We're not going to have any uh, extra uh, session at the end. We're not going to do a featured segment. But next week, we're going to talk about what it takes to do some podcasting. So I'll show you some of those things. Um, and again, the link is out on Twitter. So if you follow us on Twitter, go ahead and share that out so other people can as well. Um, some big news as well. Ashley is going to be joining us in a couple of weeks uh, f- talking about some summer online programs for kids. Uh, Matt, if you're a longtime listener to the show, you remember Matt. He gave me some links as well talking about some smart decisions uh, online for hacking and phishing curriculum that we have for some students as well that we're going to not we have but that we have a link for. But uh, let's go ahead and start, as we always do, with the EdTech News Rundown. All right, the 74 brings us the second in its series of essays surrounding the EdTech Efficacy, I think I got it right that time, Research Symposium. We reported on the first one a few weeks ago, and the bad news for me is that, yes, they use the word efficacy again, and I'm going to have to do it a lot, but... I did butcher it last time. I think I'm doing this a little better and probably should have let Christy handle this one, especially on the first live show, but that's okay. The good news is that we have tons of research that tells us how students learn best, and we can cater our ed tech to do that. Specifically, they mention speed and retrieval practice and elaborations as techniques that you should look into uh, if you're unfamiliar with those. The overall idea is best summed up in the following quote. The key is that research should be informing development from the very beginning of an idea for a product, and an evidence-based learning engineering orientation should continue to be used to monitor and iterate changes to optimize impact. And I definitely look forward to reading the next uh, essays that are coming out probably in a few weeks again. Wow, Ricky, good job on efficacy, and you even said iterate. Wow, that's impressive. Nicely done. I'm saying. Um, So... Since this is live and you did say the word efficacy, I can show one of my books I'm reading right now, which is all about teacher collective efficacy. And um, it's leading impact teams, building a culture of efficacy. So I'm going to be using that with our instructional leadership team here um, and by Bloomberg and Pitchford. And it is a great book, um, Leading Impact Teams. So if anybody's looking for a new resource, not necessarily just tech related, but if you're going to be doing anything tech, I think that leading impact teams could still help you out. So check it Sounds out. Sounds awesome. All right, next up, EdTech Times reports on a very interesting EdTech deal in higher ed. Purdue has bought Kaplan University, the online for-profit part of Kaplan Inc. for $50 million. I'm not sure if this is the first deal of its kind, but it is certainly the first time EdTech Weekly has reported on such an acquisition. It seems that Purdue had little to no online presence and needed to build one quickly, and Kaplan had been struggling with the for-profit designation and failure to reach federal gainful employment benchmarks. The deal is structured so that Purdue basically gets $10 million a year for five years, and then they give about 12% of profits back to Kaplan after that $50 million has been paid. Purdue also... Purdue was also given some ways out of the contract should they not be getting the results they expect. 
Any thoughts, Ricky? I have a lot of thoughts, but first on that is the thought that I love that you had air quotes and we got to see them uh, for the first time. So many things missed out on just audio podcast. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think are sort of bad about this. I mean, the numbers were bad for Kaplan, um, which caused less enrollment. And Purdue is targeting a certain demographic that it's neglected. So it's really just changing ownership. And I'm not sure that it really addresses the issues for either of them. Um, I'm, I kind of think this is going to not be very successful. I'm saying it's going to fail because Purdue should be building this from the ground up, I think. I don't think you should be buying out something that's sort of failing at the moment and think somehow you're going to make it better because of your name. I mean, I know they've got some outs um, to get out of the contract and whatnot, but it just seems to me that this is something that's destined to fail. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they do have those outs, and that is a lot of money. Um, but I wonder why. But there must be a reason why that they are going with Kaplan University Online. Maybe they think they can do it better than what they were doing. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was just cheap enough for them to buy. I don't know. I hope that's not the case. But being in higher ed, it, it does scare me a little bit. All right. An article from EdSurge tells us about Caliper. Now, this is a data and analytics system that's set up to share key student data across apps to help educators drive better learning outcomes. Caliper promises to do something new and exciting. It can make available sharing the data of students' online activities, such as students' answers to quizzes, responses on worksheets, views of videos, and clicks on interactive resources. Now, it can also capture the exact start and stop times of each of the above activities. The real power of this uh, is if a large number of ed tech companies sign on to use this protocol. Now, I know, Christy, we recently talked about a data sharing program in Knoxville. I think that was between the schools and an aftercare program there. And I felt like you had some hesitation and concerns. How do you feel about this one? Well, student, student data is a big issue right now and student data privacy, uh, particularly with public education where students you know, don't have a choice of what they are necessarily opting into or opting out of. So, you know, data, data can be really helpful and useful and, you know, love sharing it with the right people. But we just have to be so careful with student data, particularly young students and well, really anyone who's getting it, getting it. What are they doing with it? Is it being sold? Um, do students have options to opt out of it? Um, so I know there's a lot of it going on right now. You know, ed tech companies are just, you know, click here and, you know, it integrates with this and it, it does make it easier. But I do think we have to be careful with it. Yeah, I agree for sure. All right, next up, um, finally, or, and finally, EdTech Times gives us seven programs, sites, and organizations that are helping students cut down student loan debt. The most aggressive is the state of New York, whose le legislature recently enacted a plan where if a student attends the State College of New York or the City College of New York and their family income is below $100,000, they get the Excelsior Scholarship. The scholarship takes into account all other scholarships and financial aid and then pays the rest of the student's tuition. It is important to note that it doesn't go towards room and board, but the plan should certainly help lower student debt. You can check it out. You can check out the other six programs on edtechweeklyshow.com. Yeah, and my only concern here really is about what financial aid they're factoring in. Um, are we talking about financial aid being student loans, which is kind of silly because then aren't they just, you know, I'm hoping that's not the case, but I know generally a financial aid package includes loans of some sort. So I just hope they're not including those. Yeah. yeah, I do like the idea of it. Anything we can do to reduce student loan debt sounds good to me. 
All right. Well, that's it for the show. Again, I think I'm just happy to get through this as I immediately put the stream out to my main Facebook page, which probably isn't the worst idea considering at least I had some viewers at that point. Um, But we'll continue to try to do this and we'll try to make it even better. I know this is our first time and I'm just excited for the opportunity to do it. If you want to be involved with the show, much like Ashley and some others have done and much like Christy, how she joined the show originally, go ahead and email the show at edtechweekly at gmail.com. Again, EdTech Weekly Show Facebook. We're going to be live streaming like we are right now. Um, and go ahead and check that out as well. And then, um, you know, next week we'll do a little studio tour and we can do some questions about what it takes to make a podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter at 4TechTeachers and, of course, at Christy M. Warren. And uh, that's about it. Christy, do you have anything as we leave our first live stream? How do you think we did? Well, we'll see what all of our viewers say, but um, I think it went well so far and I look forward to doing more. Yeah, me too. And uh, we will see you next time and we'll see all of you out there next time on EdTech Weekly.